Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Monday, April 24th, and on today's podcast, we are doing a full slate breakdown for every single NBA playoff game we currently have odds for. We are going to try and price out and give best bets for the two games on Wednesday night that the odds haven't been posted yet, and we are going to keep crushing these NBA playoffs. As we ramp up, we are sadly watching the first round start to wind down. So we have a host of game fours to talk about, a bunch of game fives. Hopefully we get some good series and leads to game sixes and sevens to talk about later in the week. But before we get into what's happening in the odds, where the best bets are, explaining the line movement, key numbers, what fits the system, all that good stuff like we normally do, let me remind you guys to follow me on Twitter at mfiddle 14 to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, send this podcast to a friend, and I would really, really love, I need to drive this point home, some written reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. I am not doing too well in the written reviews department. Now, I know my listenership is doing pretty damn good right now. I know my Twitter feed is growing very strongly right now. However, I'm not being left written reviews, and I don't mean to be rude, But that's not on me. That's on you. So do me a favor. Understand how much work it takes for me to put out the podcast, plan the pod, track all the lines, give out my best bets, do all the write-ups. The smallest thing I ask in return is a written review on Apple Podcasts. And if you love the pod, send it to a friend. Okay? Last thing, of course, Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. There is one week left in the offer. Promo code ABSURD for 75% off your first month. All right, let's get into this. It starts out with Bucks Heat Game 4. Bucks visiting South Beach with Giannis for this game. The line opened at minus 3.5 or minus 4. Of course, we were uncertain, but I think Giannis was leaning the probable direction as soon as the Bucks went down 2-1 in that series after they got smacked in the mouth in Game 3 by the Heat. Um, so this line... When it dropped and it was at minus three or minus four, like minus three and a half at some books, minus four at others, of course, the minus four did trigger a first round favorites system play. Of course, it checked the boxes of a first round NBA playoff game with a one seed with a spread between minus four and minus 25 bucks. So the first seed in the East spread was a minus four. It's in the first round against the Heat. It checked all the boxes for what that system would trigger as a bet. However, like you don't blindly have to play into a system. And of course, after having watched what happened in Miami game three, I was like, no, 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 no. I want confirmation that Giannis is going to be in the lineup and active before I lay the points and play this line. I don't care if the line moves. I'll respect Giannis. I will respect that his star power might actually be worth three and a half points here. I don't actually think Giannis is worth three and a half points, but in a playoff situation, road game, maybe. And if I was going to put my money on it, I wanted King Giannis on the court. So we are getting word that Giannis is active for tonight and the line has moved to minus seven and a half because I am missing the good number because it has moved through the seven, which is a key number. But however, this does still fit a system bet. The spread is still between minus four and minus 25. The Bucs are still a one seed. This game is still being played in the first round of the NBA playoffs, and the Bucs are still the favorite in the game. So checks all the boxes for that first round systems 
first round favorites system play. And I'm still going to play the Bucks minus seven and a half at just half a unit. I think, I think we're at the point. Oh no, the, the Kings covered last night. The Kings were the first team all NBA playoffs this season to lose as an underdog and still cover the point. So every single time a favorite has won, they've covered the spread. And every time prior to last night's Kings-Warriors one-point game, every single time the underdog has covered the spread, they actually just won outright. So that should tell you, you shouldn't fear playing a minus 7.5 too much because obviously the relative to a key number of 7. But in NBA playoff games, all these favorites are covering spreads. We're seeing much bigger percentage of games end in 10 plus. So my fear factor of playing into a seven and a half when in the regular season, I would forego the number and play the money line less significant in the playoffs for the total of this game all over the place opens at two seventeen and a half with the uncertainty of Giannis Giannis declared active bumps up to two twenty one. So we're seeing three and a half points of movement in the total three and a half points of movement in the spread. It is very clear what this Vegas thinks of Giannis. He's worth three and a half points. So it the totals now come down to 219. So it took heavy under action once it bounced up to 221. I would assume that meant at the 217 number, it wasn't taking much action at all. The Giannis news pushed it, and then Sharps came in on the under. So questionable. I'm not going to play a total there. The Bucks allow a ton of threes. They play with a lot of pace. Giannis gets the line relentlessly. Generally, these are things that contribute to an over. The Heat are an abysmal offensive team. The Bucks' offense, known to struggle in the playoffs at times under Budenholzer. You don't know what you're going to get in this game. Is it going to be a 130 to 117 game that we got in game one? Or is it going to be an absolute slugfest like we've seen in some of these teams before? So I don't really have a strong indicator each way. The market is certainly bouncing with groups on both sides. Landing in that middle number of 219, I ain't touching it. So let's talk about this game because it's going to be happening on Wednesday night as well. Let's go heavy Bucks heat for a minute. They will be traveling back to Milwaukee to play game five at home for the Bucks and Given the way that we've seen home court be worth about five and a half, six, six and a half points in the playoffs so far, that would mean we're going to be left with a Bucks minus like 13 spread at home. Now, I don't think that's where it's going to land. I think it's actually going to land around 10 and a half or 11, and in which case I'll be back playing the Bucks again. I am going to watch how the line steams early once that line drops. I can see after the Heat really took care of business in games one and three and looked really strong and like they could fight with this team, I would expect if we see a line come out at 12 or 13, like the Clippers game we'll get to in a second, we see some early Heat steam and we could wait on a better number. If the line comes out at like bucks minus 10, bucks minus, like if you get a gift of a nine and a half, that's a play it immediately situation. If it comes out at 10 and a half or 11, you might sprinkle a half a unit on it right away in case you gain movement and then add half a unit later based on how the line moves. So you might get a better number, you might get a worse number, but your exposure is split based on the line movement and you're on the side that you definitely want. So that is how I'm pricing game four is take the bucks minus 7.5 for half a unit. Game five, ride with the bucks at home, but look for those initial numbers when the spread first drops. No plays on the totals probably in any game for the rest of the series. 
The second game to talk about is the Memphis Grizzlies visiting the Lakers for game four of that series. Of course, the Lakers lead 2-1 and are at home for game five. Line drops Lakers minus four for this game. I missed the early line. I was out and about. I got in at Lakers minus four and a half. It's juiced to minus 112 on FanDuel. I think you could still get the minus four and a half. At Caesars, you can get it at minus 110. And at points bet, you can still get it at minus 110. However, we are seeing... 59% of the bets on LA, 62% of the money on LA. So a bit of a public and sharp side on the LA Lakers in this spot. I like the Lakers because I think they're going to get it done at home in this game. I think this is a game where LeBron steps up and sees the importance of it. And then flip this around. I have no plays in the totals. We're just going to skip that. Flip this around and go the other way for game five when we're back in Memphis. So the way that I'm playing this is I'm going to be on the Lakers for game four at the minus four and a half. And then every part of me, barring a serious injury or something catastrophically changing in the game, every part of me thinks I'm going to turn that around and play game five back in Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies against the spread. I expect the Memphis Grizzlies to potentially come into that game as a first round favorite system play. I think the line opens at probably Memphis minus two and a half at home. It gets pushed out to minus four and triggers a bet. I love the spot the Lakers are in tonight, and I love the spot the Memphis Grizzlies are in for game five. It kind of gets me want to sprinkle some like Lakers exact result 4-2 in game six, like plus money odds, but that would be some public bullshit that my public brain is thinking, and I'm not actually going to do it. Essentially, you're taking a three-leg money line parlay to do that. So I really like the Lakers in this one game. And then the reason why I like Memphis at home in the turnaround spot is because it's two days later. It's the other Wednesday night game that we haven't priced the line for yet, but I'm giving out the best bet now. It's going to be on the Grizzlies against the spread. So this Grizzlies team is dominant at home, and they have a road team that is so much older and slower than them, having to travel 2,000 miles on the same amount of rest. That's a major advantage towards Grizzlies. So I like the Lakers and their veteran leadership to know that they need to get shit done tonight. And then I like the turnaround spot. Puts the Lakers in a tough position. Really benefits the Grizzlies and give me the Grizz in game five at home. No plays in the total for this one. It completely revolves around John Morant. So John Morant is such a player contributed to the over because he's terrible on defense and fantastic on offense. So in the games where Job was out, it was really easy to go hit and under. But now with Morant back in and scoring 40 points and going on a 22-point streak himself, I would not touch the totals in this game. You don't know if it's going to be a slugfest where these teams can't really shoot. We've seen that before. We've seen AD and Jaron Jackson both completely dominate on paint, the paint on defense and swat away anything that comes near them. So it becomes a very slow scoring game. We've also seen these teams both fly. So hard to get a read on the total. And because we're reaching a point in the series where we have enough information, these totals are pretty much always going to sit around for this series, 221 or 222. So it's going to be hard to get a read on it either way. You're not going to gain too much value. So unless you have a strong lean for a pace or a scoring direction yourself, then I would just avoid playing the total altogether. Okay, let's move on to the third game where we are talking game five. Hawks Celtics back in Boston where Boston looks to close this thing out. This line opened at Boston minus 10 and a half. It has been steamed out to Boston minus 12 and a half 
We are seeing 52% of the bets on Atlanta. That is very surprising for me to see in the splits. 71% of the money on Boston. That is very unsurprising to me. So we are seeing public action on Atlanta, maybe because they got such a big number, but clear money on the Boston side. And I would say follow the money, follow the line movement, play into the system that is first-round favorites. With the line being at 12.5 now, I think that's in large part because DeJounte Murray might be suspended for bumping the referee and talking shit after the game. So I would wait on that news. If you haven't touched this line yet, like probably don't touch it until you get word on DeJounte, because if DeJounte's out like he's likely going to be, I think it stays at 12.5. If the NBA decides not to suspend him, maybe it comes back to an 11.5 or 11, and you could just grab a better Celtics line. So I think the movement, of course, in part, it's due because 71% of the money is on Boston, so the book is trying to even out its handle. On the other side, it's definitely some injury and player-related news. Not really injury news, suspension-related news. The total on this game sits at 230.5, and and just like every other series at this point, the totals are stalled out because we have so much baked-in information based on all the way the previous games have been priced, so I do not plan on even looking at that total again. If it went to 229, if it went to 232, I wouldn't be surprised, and I wouldn't care that I'm not on it. Let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. They just got one done last night. Now they go back to Denver to wrap up their season. I wonder if they're going straight from Denver to Cancun. I mean, you would have to go north back to Minnesota to pack your bags to then go to Mexico. So maybe they're just going south to Denver and planning for the Cancun trip straight from there. I certainly hope so because I will be on the Denver Nuggets. The line is minus nine right now. We have seen in the past few games Minnesota steam come in prior to the game. So I'm waiting for that Minnesota steam to come in. Maybe I get an eight. Maybe I get an eight and a half. Maybe I get ballsy and get lucky and get a seven or a seven and a half. Maybe it goes the other way and I end up taking a Nuggets minus nine and a half. Or maybe it just stays there at that minus nine. Either way, I will be on the Denver Nuggets against the spread for this game. If it moves to nine and a half, I don't mind. If it moves to nine and a half, I'll do it right away. I'll put it in right there so it doesn't move to ten. But because we've seen some Minnesota Timberwolves steam throughout the last few games, I'm banking on the chance that it might go that direction again. Um, the splits are showing 80% of the money on Denver. So if it goes Minnesota's way, that would be a big terms of reverse line movement. So maybe I'm talking to myself into just taking this best bet of Denver minus nine. But it certainly fits a first-round favorite system. And the total for this game, I think this is going to be very, very surprising when I say this. It's at 221. It's hovered right around where it's been the last few games, and there's really no value on it. Okay, let's talk about Clippers at the Suns. Not sure if Kawhi is going to be playing, but either way, I mean, DraftKings first put this line out at Clippers plus 13. I mean, the level of disrespect, and I go back to how much, how many points is home court advantage worth, and Phoenix Suns were, what, a seven and a half or eight point road favorites in uh, LA when Kawhi was out for game four. So then they turn around for game five. I think it went from seven and a half to 13. So five and a half points for home court advantage. I think that's slightly an overreaction. Um, I took the Clippers plus 13 right away when the line came out because I was like, no, this is disrespectful to how strong the Clippers have looked, to how cohesive they looked, how well Russ has played, to how energetic, how well coached they've been through Ty Lue. I mean, 
Ty Lue has been the perfect coach for this series. He should get his flowers. Kawhi has been amazing. When we see if Kawhi plays, I would say probably not. Definitely not based on the way the line was priced and probably not based on the way the injury news has gone. But either way, the Suns are not a one or a two seed, so they don't fit a first-round favorite system play. So I don't have to play into a minus 12 because it fits my criteria of things that I normally play into. In this case, I'm like the level of disrespect for the Clippers to to assume that they're not going to go down without a fight was just too much. Like this team can win outright. They won outright against the Suns in Phoenix for game one. So I am not going to overreact too strongly in this direction. I took Clippers plus 13. It's at Clippers plus 12 right now. I would still take it. I think just like the Kings game last night, this becomes one of the games where the uh, favorite wins but doesn't cover. I would take Phoenix to win by five or six or seven in this game. I think the the Clippers can cover pretty easily. Totals at 224. It actually opened at 224 and a half. So for this game to see the total being steamed down is very uh, good for a correlative value to the Clippers as an underdog, of course. If there's only 210, if this game goes under in 224, if it goes to 212, then it's a lot harder to cover a 13 or 12-point spread as opposed to if there was 240 total points scored. There's just simply more possible outcome combinations for the Suns to cover a large spread with more total points being scored. So when there are less total points being scored, you correlate the underdog and the under. And I think we can definitely do that in this regard. Another way to check that is to throw them in a same game parlay and see what the odds give you. So the odds right now would give you, if you take the under and the Clippers, it would give you a plus 234. Whereas if you took the um, the Suns and the under, you would get a plus 244. So they're giving you less bang for your buck when you take the Clippers on that side. So it's showing you the Clippers and the under are correlated in their value. Of course, never actually put in the fucking parlay. But you could just check the values and understand how these teams correlate in the odds to overs and unders and whether or not they're the favorite of the underdog. You could do that exercise with yourself. So let's do it with the Cavs-Knicks as we talk about it. If you are going to be stupid enough to parlay a total and a side and you want to say Knicks plus five and a half is correlated with what? The over would give you plus 240, the under would give you plus 266. So for this game, the Knicks and the over are more correlated, right? We're getting that because they have less of a payout, which means it's more of a chance of happening if the book is going to give you less return. So actually in that Knicks-Cavs game, nice example that flips it on its head, that's an underdog and an over that are correlated. Of course, we can dig a little deeper and say, well, why would that be? What's the discrepancy? Well, first off, the spread is half the amount. It's a plus 12 spread on one side and a plus 5.5 spread on the other. So a lot easier to cover a 5.5 spread, a lot less important to where the total is when the spread isn't as big as a 12-point spread. And then secondary to that, the total is 202 for that Knicks-Cavs game. So an incredibly low total in comparison to the uh, Clippers' Sun. So it is relative to the numbers, but you can bake in and say, generally unders and underdogs are correlated. And one way to double check and make sure is to not actually submit the bet, but throw them in a same game parlay and check how the odds correlate to one another. Okay, let's talk about the Knicks-Cavs game from a betting perspective. I would like 
Cavs minus five and a half in this series. I've been on Cavs all series. This is the one series I'm consistently having egg on my face. Um, of course, all my friends are back in New York, and they, the ones who listen to this podcast text me every fucking time, R.J. Barrett or, or Jalen Brunson or anyone scores, and they're like, how about them apples? So, yeah, I, I think that works perfectly because they're out, out there in New York in the Big Apple. Um, the reason why I'm not going to be playing this ser- this game or any game in the rest of this series is because prior to this series, I took Cavaliers minus 185 on the series price for 3.7 units to win two. So now I come into this game, the Cavs are down one to three. They are on the brink of elimination. They're going to go to Cancun and join the Timberwolves, right? So chances are that they're probably going to lose this series. I'm letting that sink in right now. I do think that there's still a chance that they come back and win. I do feel very good about the Cavs for game five. But because my 3.7 units of a series bet has now become a one-game money line play, right? If the Knicks win one game, I lose 3.7 units. My max exposure on a line is a three-unit bet. So I have reached max exposure on this Knicks-Cavs because – we're at the brink where I might lose that bet. If I had been winning Cavaliers 3-1, to one, then that series bet would not be a based in a money line situation because even if the Knicks had won, I would not have lost the series bet. I'd have three chances at it. So because of the way my exposure is tied to the series price versus the way the series has played out versus the way the current odds are, they're saying don't add more exposure to this market. If you were winning the series, then you could say, hey, balls to the wall. Let's try and rake in as much money as we can as our series price is still looking good even if they lose this game. If the if the Cavaliers lose this game, I am out 3.7 units. So why go in and put more money on the Cavs if I have a max three-unit exposure bet? So that is going to be my preference or the way I uh, go into this series for the rest of it, I hope the Cavaliers win three straight. I don't expect it to happen. I do like the Cavaliers minus five and a half for this game. If you are not already in on the series price, the over under at 202. I mean, my gut says over because we have just gotten too far. The Knicks are playing very well and hitting difficult shots. Cavaliers should shoot better at home. Their role players should come alive a bit at home. So does that lead to an over situation finally in this series? Or are we getting another burner that just ends below 200? I'm not sure. Uh, you'll have to decide that for yourself. I will have no plays on this game. Golden State Warriors, Sacramento Kings. Whoa, a massive odd shift. Live as I'm doing this, what in the world just happened? So let me just tell you guys what just happened. Oh my God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Woj just tweeted. All right, let me take this from the top. When I started to record this podcast, the Warriors were one and a half point underdogs. They were plus 1.5 on the road. The over-under was at 237 and a half. And I was going to say this is probably shaping up to be a no-bet situation. There was early steam on the Sacramento Kings at home. They were fading the Warriors' ability to get it done on the road. The total has stayed at the same spot that has been pretty much the whole series. And I kind of just wanted nothing to do with this. I was like going to tell you guys to play a 
Warriors at home if we could get it for game six, I believe. Yeah, game six as a spread of less than seven or less. But uh, considering the Kings just covered the the spread of seven and a half in game four in Golden State, I was thinking maybe we'll get a seven in game six. And I would take that regardless of what happened in game five. If it was, regardless of who was winning the series 3-2, I would have liked the Warriors at home in game six. Now we are seeing the odds at Kings plus three. Warriors minus three on the road. And just what the fuck just happened? And I go to Twitter and the first thing is, Woj drops an absolute Woj bombs. Kings guard De'Aaron Fox fractured the tip of his left index finger in game four. There's still some hope he will try and play game five on Tuesday. Fox would need to play with protective covering on the finger and he will be listed as doubtful. Wow, that is such major news. I don't have a real-time reaction to how I would bet this. That's kind of the whole point of the show, though, right? Well, maybe the whole point of the show is to show you not to overreact and go jump in on a bet right away. Because let's think about this in real time. The Warriors are still terrible at home. I mean, on the road. But the Kings... I'm going to let this stew for a little bit. I'm going to watch the odds move a little bit. I'm going to wait on the... I, I see Woj saying he's going to try and play. He's going to be listed as doubtful. I mean, I think if the 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 Kings are without De'Aaron Fox, we 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 hit the Warriors. You're not going to get a spread that crosses too many of the key numbers, and you're going to get the life taken out of the Kings. You're going to get the arena filled with nervous Nellies. As soon as the Warriors go up three or four points, the crowd is going to be silent. Like I, I, this makes me think that I actually like the Warriors on the road, just like the Heat and Bucks news, where I wanted to wait on the confirmation of Giannis and forego the way that it affected the point spread. I will do the same thing for this Kings Warriors game. If Fox is out, give me the dubs. If Fox is in, probably not going to play this. And then game six turnaround. You know I want Warriors within a seven-point spread. Of course, if Fox is out for this game uh, five, there's no way we're getting a Golden State minus seven home. That's when you're getting a ten and a half. Clearly, I mean, they just priced Fox as being worth four and a half points. So, incredible things as we ramp down the last few minutes of the Advantage podcast. Of course, follow me on Twitter, at mfiddle14. Let me just quickly review... What we discussed, I'm I'm shook as I as I end this podcast. Bucks minus seven point five is a half unit play. Lakers minus four and a half is a spot that I love. Turnaround spot would be Memphis in game five of that series. Boston Celtics are probably going to close this out at home, but let's wait on the Dejounte Murray news. Expect Denver to also close the series out at home, but wait to see if we see Minnesota steam come back in. Stop disrespecting the Los Angeles Clippers and how good Coach Ty Lewis. I mean, to throw out a plus 13 spread is simply disrespectful. I would like the Cavaliers, but because of my series exposure, I'm not going to overly tilt myself. And this Warriors-Cavs game just had a Woj bomb dropped in the bay. So, I will tweet out how I end up playing it. It will hinge on the De'Aaron Fox news. And as always, check back for me on Thursday. Peace out.